just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. And of course, as always, Marcus Farrow is here with us as well. Mm-hmm. We'll be joined now by Channel 12's WPRI, Ted Nisi, who's their political reporter down there in Channel 12 and covers South Coast so well. Hey, hey Ted, you're... Um, hey, you're sec- hey guys, how you doing? You're, you're, you're part of our uh, rock star lineup of... of uh, uh, M.A. Polly uh, journalist. Lisa, Lisa told me to... Lisa Kaczynski, we had her on earlier. She wanted to say hi. Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed Lisa, my pal. We're, we are uh, text besties because we're constantly going back and forth uh, <laughs> comparing notes on uh, all things Massachusetts politics. So, Ted, before we get started with the, with the serious stuff, I do want to give you a congratulations uh, to, to you and Kim uh, on the birth of your daughter. Well, thank you so much for that. She is. Uh, I am upstairs trying to stay moderate voiced on the radio because she has fallen asleep in the last few minutes. She's going to be uh, four four months old uh, this coming week. So uh, yeah, it's honestly, guys, it's the best. I was kind of petrified to be a dad. Just <laughs> you know, you, 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 it looks like a lot of work, and it is, but it's it's truly like the best thing ever happened. And Kim is obviously an amazing mom. Just shows like she's an amazing anchor woman, and uh, we're really blessed. So I thank you for that. No, it, 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 you can hear it in your voice, really. You can, Ted. And of course, uh, her grandparents are, are in our, our, our radio audience. They're right down the street from us. Um, That's right. right. That's right. He has my family over in Mattapoisa. Yeah, exactly right. So, so Ted, you, you've you've been doing a lot of work between Massachusetts and Rhode Island with the two primaries. You, I mean, when did you sleep? <laughs> well, you know, um, like I said, my wife is a saint, and she. She knew what she was signing up for when she married me, so she really knew what she was signing up for when she agreed to have a baby with me uh, in an election year, no less. <laughs> right. um, you know, I, I'm honestly, guys, and I, I'm not trying to be corny here. I, I say it. I love what I do. I'm so lucky that I get to be a reporter, and I have such a great job at, at Channel 12 in the place where I'm from. Like People who've listened before know I grew up in Bristol County, in Attleboro, so I spent a lot of time crossing the border back and forth to Rhode Island, and it's just a blast. And uh, you, you guys know there's fewer reporters than ever, unfortunately, doing local news. And right. so I really believe deeply. It's why I've never taken any jobs out of state or anything. Uh, and, you know, we're lucky to have outlets like you guys on WBSM and elsewhere who also care about it. That's why I love coming on. So, Ted, um, we were when you were on with us last, we talked about the Rhode Island gubernatorial primary. <laughs> um, I want to talk. I, we talked about um, uh, Helena folks uh, sort of coming too too late of a surge. Apparently, she she lost in a close election to uh, Dan McKee, the incumbent governor. Can what we I talk about? She was picking up steam, didn't I, Mark? Yes, you did, <laughs> and it looked like for a while that she was ahead, uh, and then and then you know some other precincts came in, and, and he was and he was up. So it was, I guess, too uh, too little, too late for folks. Yeah, you know, it's. I will always find her campaign a little mystifying, even no matter how many times I've talked to people who worked on it. Um, she spent millions and millions of dollars between her own wealth from her years as an executive at CBS and big fundraising that she was able to do. But 
you know, they just were pretty quiet publicly until very, very late in the game. And then as we talked about, she had this really solid debate performance in the Channel Tell debate with Tim White and I, but that was only a week before the election. And you can just see the way, you know, the best way to look at what happened, I would say, is if you look at now that all, both states have this early voting, you can kind of see the difference. And she beat McKee by like only 200 votes, but she won on people who went to the polls on primary day, but she got slaughtered Mm -hmm. in the early vote and in the mail ballots. And so I think that's as good a sign as any that, you know, she had huge late momentum, but she couldn't overcome what the governor had already baked in the cake with the early vote. So I listened to, um, so I listen to the Newsmakers podcast. I'm, uh, you know, some people the watch one. the show. I, yeah, I'm the one. I listen to the Newsmakers <laughs> podcast. So uh, I heard your your wrap up of the debate, and what I thought was really um, jarring is that you know you had your pop quiz segment, and only one person on the stage that didn't include the sitting governor of Rhode Island knew how much a house costed, and that was Helena Folks. Yeah. And, you know, Marcus, I mean, we all bring different things to our jobs. And I am a millennial. And I'll tell you, people my age, we're in my mid 30s, maybe late 30s now, but we won't say that. I'll say <laughs> mid 30s. Um, you know, it's really hard to buy a house in Massachusetts and Rhode Island right now. Yeah, and it's yes. a constant topic of conversation. And so we thought you had Nellie Gorbea, the secretary of state, was running. She said as the housing governor, McKee has said that's such a big priority. But yet, you know, Gorbea was way off. Matt yeah. Brown, the leftist, was even further off. McKee was a bit closer, but still off. And, you know, some people say, oh, those pop quizzes are, are gotchas. But I will, I'll will always defend it. I think Tim and I try really hard not to look for weird, obscure things, but for sort of important, basic facts you'd want a governor to know. And, yeah, they, they, they really, you know, all of them have owned their houses a long time. I guess they haven't been in the housing market in a while and don't realize just how bad it's gotten. So, um we're speaking with Ted Nisi from Channel 12. Ted, one of the things I thought, Marcus and I really talked a lot about it before, is the way McKee rejected folks' phone so call. <laughs> right on television. Right on television. Talk a little bit about that. What do you oh, think God. about Yeah, so I was, um, as you guessed, standing there in the studio, you know, between my own live shots, watching the feed. Tim, my wife, actually, was the one assigned for Channel 12 to McKee, so we were texting a bit, and McKee's walking up to the stage and I'm narrating, oh, here's the governor, you know, it's close, but he got the win just like he wanted, expecting to sort of, you know, say big night for him, congrats to him, et cetera. And then he gets up there and within a few minutes, there's suddenly a commotion in front of him. And, uh, you know, we're watching from, I'm watching the video feed. I'm like, what is going on? And then he mentions Eva, who I know is one of his senior aides, Eva Mancuso. And she says something along the lines of, on the phone, it's Helena, clearly to concede. And he goes, I'm not taking that. Right, and yeah. waves her off. And he's like, Eva, Eva, no, hang up on that. Hang up on that. Yeah. Like, not really? a chance. It was not a chance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And on live television. So, of course, yeah. everyone, my phone's blowing up. National reporters <laughs> so are texting funny. me like, what the heck just happened on your yeah. feed in Rhode Island? And then, and then on top of it, McKee's people then start to, you know, spin that it was Helena Folks' fault. Oh, she should have known. She was trying to troll him. She knew he'd get upset, so she called when he was on TV. But then two days later, the McKee people reversed that and said, yeah, no, it was our fault. We had a miscommunication, and it shouldn't have happened. So just a very, very strange way to end that night and kick off the general election for the governor. So yeah, he has a Republican opponent now, Ashley, Ashley Kalis. You've got yeah. a great story. You and your team came out with a great story on the fact that her and her husband are still getting uh, tax exemptions in, in Illinois to quite wealthy people. Um, explain a little bit about your story you, you, you have today on Channel 12, WPRI.com. Yeah. 
you're right up to date, Chris. We only published this like 90 minutes ago, I think, right. an hour ago. Um, yeah, well, Ashley Kalis, you know, it's a fascinating thing. She acknowledges she didn't live in Rhode Island at all until last year in her whole life. But she sort of came. There was no big Republican to run for governor. She's poured millions of dollars. I'm sure New Bedford viewers have seen her ads because you get our TV stations with the Rhode Island ads along with the Massachusetts ones. And it's sort of been this question hanging over it, like, well, are you actually a Rhode Islander? I mean, she bought this modest home in Newport last year, but she owns a $3 million house in the Florida Keys and a million-dollar-plus house out in Chicago where she'd been living and working. And she said, oh, well, I always wanted to live in Rhode Island. It just didn't work out. And my husband went to medical school here. But she came here because she won a COVID contract to do the testing and stuff, big multi-million dollar thing. So lo and behold, Eli Sherman, my colleague, uh, the Target 12 and our investigative team, discovered that they were still, she and the husband, getting a homestead exemption, which you ha- can only get if you're a resident, yes. in Illinois as recently as you know, earlier this month, they sold the house on September 12th. So it just sold earlier this month. Wow. And when we asked her campaign, you know, well, you know, how do you square this? You're, you just came to Rhode Island. You only registered to vote here this year. You're getting the homestead exemption in Illinois still. And they said, well, Ashley moved to Rhode Island earlier to manage that contract, but the husband stayed out in Illinois to manage the business. And now it sounds like he's moving here. So, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, the voters have the right to say, that's okay. I want somebody brand new or something like that. But clearly, it only adds to the questions about the depths of her ties and her family's ties to the state. Yeah, when when I when I thought that they when they took the exemption, I thought, well, I would have done the same thing. Then I realized I'm not a millionaire like they are. I think I would have let them go. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're already dumping millions of right. dollars of their own it's money. A, why would they? Yeah, why would they care? It's a great point, Kurt. With the money they have, the six thousand dollar homestead exemption now is a PR headache. Maybe it wasn't worth it. No, exactly right. So we're speaking <laughs> with Ted Nisi of WPRI. So Ted, let's shift to, to Massachusetts. Well, well first, oh, can I, I have there. a I have a complaint that oh, I, right. I want to, oh, and it's not about you, and it has nothing to do with you. But I'm I'm just upset about it still. Not upset, but annoyed by it. It's you talked about Matt Brown. I hate that mm. ad so much. Um, oh, the dancing <laughs> ad. The 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 one with their kids. Yeah, and they're dancing to the Beatles. Or, yeah, it's terrible. It's so bad. It's, now they got some good feedback from that, Marcus. You did know, they? People really liked it. Yeah. Maybe I'm just uh, cantankerous because I I I don't mm. I don't know I I just. For me, if I if I want somebody to be the governor of my state, I don't like I don't ever want to see Charlie Baker pelvic thrusting. Uh, <laughs> on no, TV. yeah, no, probably not. And I think as we come to the end of the Baker era, we're probably not going to get that visual, uh, in the next in the remaining months at a Jeff Deal rally or something. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I mean, Brown. Well, he'll pelvic thrust Jeff Deal. No doubt yeah, about no, that. I'm not. I leave that one to you, Chris. I leave that to you. Um, but you know, I think I was. I honestly, guys, thought Matt Brown, for people, Massachusetts uh, listeners who don't know the Rhode Island landscape as well, he's a former Secretary of State who's become a very, very staunch progressive, trying to take out all the statehouse establishment Democrats. I thought he might get as high as, like, maybe 20 percent, 15 percent at least, uh, running on, on that platform. And he, he didn't even get to out of single digits. So that that was lower than I expected. Yeah, Cynthia Mendes, his, like, quote-unquote mm-hmm. running mate, did better than him. 
uh, mm-hmm. it seems. Yeah. Or maybe the dancing ad really didn't work on many people and you were in the majority. <laughs> yeah. He's firmly in the progressive community. So. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, Chris, sorry, you had a question before I Well, just, No, just, just switching gears to Massachusetts. So, mm-hmm. Ted, the biggest story in the country has been right here in Bristol County. Wow. Uh, uh, Dukes kidding. County, right? Dukes County. The, yeah. uh, the, the illegal immigration or, or mm-hmm. a migrant uh, movement of the... Of the uh, people seeking seeking refugee uh, status. Um, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, it is. For, for that to have moved the national press, what does that say? Well, you know, I think it's, I think, I think a couple things. First and foremost, you know, it, 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 it is a very compelling, I'm a reporter in the end, and reporters love stories. And people think reporters are biased towards political parties. I mean, usually reporters more than anything are biased toward a good story, Absolutely. right? And you have yeah. these people from another country winding up of all places on the vineyard on a chartered plane and it involves another governor and then it involves national politics i mean it's it's just you couldn't make it up um and then i think look it's it's, it's a very it goes to immigration we both we all know is such a heated issue i mean an issue in the bristol county sheriff's race uh, uh down in our neck of the woods right and DeSantis obviously is seen as a potential presidential candidate next time it, it touches on trump's stuff it you know goes to you know kind of fox news always talking about you know kind of mocking the blue states that are happy to have people coming across the border in the south but supposedly don't want them up here it, it just touched so many nerves right um i think that's part of why it it picked up so much steam and then the fact that there were and i think there are quite a few unanswered questions about you know who exactly got them on the charter? Were they given the right information? Were they being used? As, was it really just a stunt and they were being used? I mean, certainly that's what Congressman Keating said to me when I talked to him last late last week about it. Um, but yeah, it is wild to see Martha's Vineyard of all places be at the center of such a huge national controversy. We, we talked to Keating on Monday, and he said that mm-hmm. they, they, he he found he discovered, or it was has been discovered that there are, there were recruiters paying. Uh, being paid a quote unquote bird dog fee to recruit people, and I think that's in you know we had Lisa on just in, in, at seven o'clock. It's it's alleged in the lawsuit for the Boston Lawyers for Civil mm-hmm. Rights uh, that there are people actually basically want, uh, walking the streets in front of a homeless shelter in San Antonio or a shelter in San Antonio, um, mm-hmm. uh, inducing people to get on with with McDonald's gift cards. Yeah, and I just wonder if you know. Obviously, we've all read the coverage of DeSantis, how he's modeled his political persona on Trump. He saw what worked for Trump. People want to say, is he a more disciplined Trump? But the flip side is, you know, Trump, you know, Trump is, is a true media figure, right? He came out of The Apprentice and Home Alone and everything. And right. I think has a strong sense of kind of how things will play. And I, I, I'm not saying Trump wouldn't have done this. I mean, he never did, obviously. But I just wonder if DeSantis really thought all the way through all the fallout and the questions and as you said Marcus there's a lawsuit now I mean certainly I'm sure in a lot of quarters he's gotten praise for it and we are not living in a region where that's going to be a popular move but we know Massachusetts and Rhode Island are not necessarily the bellwether for the rest of the country but I just do wonder if, if this is how he wanted all this to play out if, if indeed DeSantis was you know and his people were behind it in full. So I, I give him credit for being able to bank shot the media right and um, mm-hmm. for the so the story has played out his way, but really was a reckless move. Um, if you've ever been over to the vineyard on those planes, they let you off. You're right on the tarmac. They could have run back to the planes. I mean, I, I was a kid loading luggage over there. So I, I, I remember 
there's a lot of things that could have happened. People people at home don't realize they don't dump you down a tube like at Logan Airport or Warwick no. Airport. You're just standing on the tar. And if one of those uh, migrants had realized the gig was up, that they were the they were the butt of a fraternity joke, they it could have really been bad. Really reckless, I thought. Yeah, and I mean, look, they are they are people. I mean, you know, yes. in the end, you know, the the fact that that we that the parties in Washington won't, and I know this is itself contested, but the fact that Congress has not been able to reach any kind of compromise for various reasons on immigration doesn't mean that the human beings coming across the border aren't human beings. And you know, you just it is sort of sad to see seemingly pretty vulnerable people. Uh, just becoming pawns and kind of our own American culture war stuff. Um, you know, but on the other hand, one person, uh, uh, one Republican I talked to in Massachusetts said to me, well, hey, they're a lot better off in Charlie Baker's state than uh, Ron DeSantis well, that, <laughs> or uh, in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take care of them. Well, yeah, we, we, we actually, we, Marks and I talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. what, one, one question, Ted, do you think this is going to have any impact on either side, and I know it's a, it's a it's a it's a prediction which is dangerous on the question for the the undocumented workers a driver's licenses here that's going to be on the ballot in November. How do you think this does it motivate either side, both sides? What do you think? Well, I think it certainly raises the salience of the topic, right? I think something that was maybe seemed a little more hypothetical to people, not say hypothetical totally, but you know maybe wasn't front of mind. Suddenly, this is the biggest story. In Massachusetts, huge story around, huge story nationally. Um, but I, I could kind of see it being one that activates both sides, Chris. I could be wrong, but, you know, the people who are very exercised about undocumented immigrants say, you know, here we go. This is an example. We need to be tougher. Look what's going on. But I also can see, I mean, the, the outpouring of outrage and sympathy um, among a lot of other voters toward people could make them feel more sympathetic uh, toward folks who... Right. Uh, aren't in the country legally and are seeking licenses. So, you know, Rhode Island just passed that after years of of debate, and it, it turned out to not be a very fraught issue in the Democratic primary so far, and it's not coming up very frequently. So, you know, I don't know how strong the, the backlash is really going to be. There are people who feel very passionate about it, but, you know, when you get to the broad middle who decides those elections, I'm just, I just don't know. You know, I want to see uh, kind of how it plays out further. So we're speaking with Ted Nisi of Channel, Channel 12 WPRI. He's on TV. He's on- <laughs> this is an auditory format. He's on TV. He's you, on get to, TV. you get to see him. You get to see him. Fortunately, okay. you don't get to see us. The, you know, I'm, in a t-shirt. I'm in a T-shirt and shorts. I'm not, I took my tie off. Oh, like Marcus. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, Ted, the... Um, you, you brought up the Bristol County Sheriff's race. We, we found that that's a big deal to our audience. And that, mm-hmm. that illegal immigration is going to be a bit of a, an issue in that race. Um, what else do you think is going to be an issue in that race? Well, you know the Attleboro Mayor. Well, first of all, Chris, I, I can break some news with you guys tonight. I have received yeah. uh, confirmations from both gentlemen, uh, Sheriff Hodgson and, and Mayor Hero. They are, they are going to join Tim White and I for a debate on Newsmakers October 28th, Friday, October 28th, for at least one television debate in the sheriff's Excellent. race. We're going to have them in studio, and of course, they air that multiple times uh, that night and the following weekend. It'll air that Friday night, and then over and over. So I'm really inter- we, we've been we've had that in, on our sites for months, knowing this would be a really interesting race. So I was appreciative that both candidates very quickly, frankly, agreed to the debates, which hasn't always been the case this year. I, you know, I, I think you know, as I said, I grew up in Bristol County. Sheriff Hodgson has been the sheriff more than half my life <laughs> and so um he's and you know i think Same. the thing with sheriff Hodgson is people who don't um follow him closely know him just from when he pops up about immigration or trump stuff but 
I just point to the fact Charlie Baker came down and campaigned for him at his yeah, kickoff. Absolutely. I mean, Hodgson is not Donald Trump. Yes, he's aligned with Donald Trump. They agree on a bunch of stuff. But we know how Charlie Baker talks about Donald Trump, yet he's still standing shoulder to shoulder with Hodgson down here. So I think people uh, write off Hodgson at the – and I'm not saying they are writing him off, I should say. But I think anyone who is inclined to say, oh, you know, he's out of step with how Massachusetts is now, particularly in Bristol County, I don't think so. And in Mayor I mean, we all know how that – Democratic primary ended with Nick Bernier, one of the defeated candidates, yeah, yeah. saying he won't even endorse Mayor Haro because he went too far to the left. Not a great way to start the general election campaign. We need to bring the Democrats together. But in some ways, I defer more to you guys than what I think about that because you're on the ground closer to it each day than I am. Yeah, so that that moving too far to the left didn't really make any sense because, you know, we had them here for the, the debate um, uh, here, the Democratic primary. They were all very nice, played patty cake with each other. You know, I tried to get them to mix it up and they wouldn't. <clears throat> And they said it was because they wanted to support the winner. And then the, I, I guess the time that he went too far left is uh, sending a mailer out to people at Bristol County saying, uh, with Paul Hurst sending a mailer out saying, I have more experience than these guys in every facet of this job, which was true. Well, my, my, my understanding is the big issue that Nick uh, Bernia has in the issue, and really he came out pretty strong on this radio station, Marcus, with you about this, is that he's a parent and Haru's not a parent, and Haru defended sex offenders being allowed to go to the Attleboro Public Library. It's all a yeah. matter of public record. He, he really didn't. Yeah. He really, he really didn't come out that strongly until uh, until Haru hurt his feelings, though. So it wasn't really that big of an issue for him. But but Haru Haru has this kind of strange position on sex offenders. That you know that it's it's he calls it smart on politics. Um, but I think he's going to have a hard time explaining that, and I don't think Nick wanted to be anywhere near that. But he didn't use it effectively, I don't think. No, and I think I mean to to, to Marcus's first point too that you know I cover I cover Providence. I mean that mailer was nothing. You know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. <laughs> exactly. I get. I get. Uh, you know, and I don't mean that any offense to Nick if he's listening. Obviously, I get because you know he takes I, offense. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. I don't want to get yeah. Nick upset, but I you know I get that he felt it violated the terms the three Democrats had agreed on. I, I take him at his word on that, obviously. Sure. Paul Hurd disagrees. But, you know, it wasn't exactly a savage attack. I mean, you guys have seen some of the attack ads flying now down in Rhode Island. I'd say those are pretty harsh compared to, uh, yeah, no, compared the, to what we saw in the The, the Magazine or Ellen Fung ads were playing uh, last night Ooh. during WPRI, and they were, they were, I mean, one of them was basically drawing a direct line between Alan Fung and, and Donald Trump. It was, it was pretty bad. So I thought it was yeah. very interesting, all the money the Republicans are putting into that race about mm -hmm. Seth Magaziner comes from a wealthy family, one of these things. You know, we don't normally see national ads like that here unless they're New Hampshire ads. You, you ain't kidding, guys. Sorry to steer us out of Bristol County. There. No, no, no. Left actually, turn. I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> I was going to say, left turn back into Rhode Island on I-95. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is, again, just to keep our Massachusetts listeners situated, this is the second congressional district. Rhode Island only has two. So this is the western side of the state, you know, Warwick and Cranston, and all the way down to Westerly and the Connecticut border. And Alan Fung, the former mayor of Cranston, is the Republican nominee. Seth Magaziner, mm -hmm. the general treasurer son of Clinton ally Ira Magaziner is yes. a Democrat. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've known obviously since the day Jim Langevin, the outgoing incumbent, announced his retirement that Republicans would find this to be a juicy target, especially with Fung, who was um, so well-liked in Cranston, which right. is one of the biggest cities in the district. But, you know, there's still a difference, as, as you 
guys are alluding to between saying you like somebody and putting a million dollars. The big House Republican super PAC just plowed in for Alan Fung, which I think took the Democrats by surprise a little. I mean, they know they have to fight, but I don't think they realize the Republicans were more than willing to put very real money. I mean, Rhode Island and I should say the Providence New Bedford TV market, which is all of Rhode Island as well as Bristol County. It's not the most expensive place in the world for a party that's also looking at fights in places like Miami, you know? Right, And putting a million dollars around is going to move the needle. And so I think the Democrats, it's just another sign they have a big fight on their hands. But the downside for Alan Fung is, you know, the reason he's seen as so competitive is because he's a well-liked, amiable, moderate guy in, in temperament. And the more that it's seen as he's a national Republican figure, um, the more it adds to the Democrats' kind of attack on him, which is the only thing that matters is that he'd vote to make Kevin McCarthy speaker. Yes. And that's the way Rhode Island Democrats beat Lincoln Chafee back in 2006 in the U.S. Senate race against Sheldon well, Whitehouse. So it's worked before. Well, that's, I mean, when we ha- I had Jake Auchincloss, we had Jake Auchincloss on a few weeks. It was actually back when, mm-hmm. uh, when, when maybe when Biden was in Somerset, but I yes. asked him about his endorsement of Seth Magaziner early on, and that was exactly what he said. So that's very, it was must have been very on message from the National Democratic Party. He goes, I've heard Alan Fung's a nice guy. And Alan Fung, by the way, for people who don't know, twice ran for governor of Rhode Island against Gina Raimondo. Um, but he said, I've heard Alan Fung's a nice guy, uh, but his first call is going to be to Kevin McCarthy, and Kevin McCarthy's first call is going to be to Donald Trump. <laughs> right. You know, very succinct, very precise. You know, I think that's well, the, I think the we message. All, we all know Jake Auchincloss is nothing if not consistently on message. <laughs> Yes, yeah, he really is. Career, right? He's yeah. a good Marine. He's a good Marine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He knows how to hit yeah. the target. So I am really interested. I mean, both parties, uh, the insiders I talked to, think that's going to stay a close race to the end, barring some massive, you know, external factor that changes the landscape, which I don't see at the moment. Um, you know, Magaziner campaigning on abortion, hoping that the president's approval ratings keep stabilizing, uh, you know, and Trump, Trump, Trump. And then Fung talking about inflation, cost of living, gas prices, Washington Democrats spending too much money. Uh, so, it's, And, you know, it's just like in Massachusetts. It's a sprint now to the general because the primaries are so late. So you think or it's it's expected, I should say, that the, that the magazine is going to win that seat and hold it for the Democrats? <laughs> oh, now you really get me, Marcus. I, you know, <laughs> do I expect that today? I, I truly I'm with the forecasters to say it's a toss up. I think. Mm. Honestly, I think we it's good. it's too close in my mind. And granted, there's only been one poll, and it's ancient now. It's from June. Yeah. But just knowing this this region as well as I do, knowing those two as well as I do, knowing what I think is coming, um, you know, and just talking, the Democrats just don't sound super confident. They they wanted Magaziner for the most part. He got kind of shoved into the race he was running he moved there he 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 moved into the district right right? Right. he bought a house there he's only he's only renting as the republicans like to point out (laughs) (laughs) but he did he is uh he is he did shack up there with his wife and he has a little baby himself actually who is already in the campaign ads um but yeah so i think they're all they're nervous um they they know they could lose that seat and then of course you know of course we're all political junkies so i can get ahead of myself but then the question is well in 24 Nobody would have a bigger target on their back than Alan Fung representing right, yeah. a double-digit Democratic um, district in a in a yeah. um, presidential year. So then you have some Democrats very quietly thinking, "Well, maybe Magaziner loses, and then I can run against Fung in two years, and it'll be an open, you know, fight for the Democratic nomination." So yeah. I think a lot of people not at all taking for granted that uh, Magaziner will pull it off.
So, Ted, before we let you go, just one. Really, there's not much going on in the Massachusetts races on the national, oh, on the my God, statewide so level. I know. So boring. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing we do have, oddly enough, is an auditor's race. It's the only race we have is the auditor's yeah. race. God bless Anthony and Moore. I'm making it a fight. It's the, only, it's the only statewide that Baker got involved in, right? right we were yeah. talking about that, Marcus, when I appeared with you guys last time. Um, now, look, I've been burned too many times by <laughs> knowing more about the Republican than they, the, the electorate finds out because they never have as much money. And this happens in both states. I'm thinking, oh, that one's competitive. Right. And yeah. then it turns Good out point. that that far down the ballot, People are just clicking B or R based on where they default to, and that's always mm -hmm. good news for Democrats in these states. So, you know, he, he could make it a race. Obviously, we've had longtime Republican auditors in Massachusetts before, but I just people I think the partisan lines have hardened even further, and I just wonder if he, especially when he's on a ticket led by Jeff Deal, who right? You know, yeah, that's the problem. Struggle against Healy. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a tough road for him, but but you know. The fact that we've been talking about it shows he's got something. something. Well, well Desaglio's actually, I had her on last night, and she's um, I, uh, basically saying, well, there's actually five candidates in the race. Right. She's trying to, like, oh. basically <laughs> other Anthony Amori by saying, well, there's a Libertarian Green Party Workers Party candidate. Mm -hmm. We want to do a debate with him, Ted. And, and she's saying all the other candidates have to show up. Or at least have to be oh. invited. Right. Well, <laughs> come on. Believe me, I feel you on that because we... You know, and this is this is public knowledge. I'm not speaking out of school. You know, Channel 12, like most TV stations now, we're owned by a bigger corporation. Uh, ours is Nexstar out of Texas, right. and they set hard debate criteria for the entire country. Candidates have to meet a minimum fundraising threshold, a minimum polling threshold, and we've certainly heard the complaints from um, candidates who make the ballot, but just you know, are just not viable in the eyes of that criteria. But I will say, I did also hear from viewers in the last ahead of the primary who thought it was valuable to limit the debates to the people who might win I in their eyes. I know, that's con I know that's contested. Obviously, there's people who think if they make the ballot, they get on the debate stage. But as you guys are saying, you know, if you put five people in that debate, you're dividing your airtime up five different ways. Inevitably, that's going to benefit the the one who's kind of the default, which is the Democrat in these states. I don't want to waste time, so, so, people's time with election deniers and things like that. You, you know, yeah, just ruining the, yeah. ruining the conversation. So, 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 Ted, before we let you go, we're glad you, you said October 28th is the sheriff's yeah. debate on TV. October yeah. 19th, we're actually having the sheriff's debate here in studio. So we're glad we're, we're going to have I'll at least a couple of yeah, we'll get them warmed up for you. Bloodied up. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I promise we'll be listening to yours uh, to get some ideas on our follow-ups for the television uh, debate. That, and I don't know if they're doing. I mean, did they tell you guys any of them if they're doing more than these two so far? In that no, I, I haven't heard anything. No. Yeah, well, I will say it was always a priority for us. You know, and honestly, if there were more big Bristol County races, we'd look to do debates for those too, like we, we do from Didfall River Mayor and Attleboro Mayor last year. But as you, you said, I think Chris, you said it. It's just so quiet. Uh, nothing it is. Though. Really, yeah. and we had, we had hoped there would be something. You know, having this program now in place, we'd be able to do something. But we're gonna do we're gonna make the best with what we have, Ted. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Ted. Uh, yeah, you can make more Healy debate herself. Or something like that, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Give Kim our best. Thank you, Ted. Ted Nisi, WPRI. He's on TV, Channel Twelve. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back. I'm Marcus. He's Chris. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus, and I'm Chris. So that Ted's Ted's great. Ted's always good. He's enthusiastic, man. He really is. Yeah, I forgot to plug Newsmakers, um, which is a great uh, a great program that him and Tim White do. You, you plugged their podcast though. So you I did, did. Yeah, yeah. Because I listen to the Newsmakers podcast. I believe it comes out on Fridays. 
Um, it's just easier for me, you know, if I'm walking my cat or something like that. I can just listen to the Newsmakers podcast. You got the plug-in for the cat. I got the plug-in for the cat. Um, I have a cat, and I, wa- I walk my cat. So uh, <laughs> I gotta get a picture. So I, I was well. That's what I'm saying is because the last time I was listening to Newsmakers, I was literally walking my cat. So, right. um, so anyway, so uh, I am interested in the Alan Fung race, and and just for a little bit more background, Alan Fung is a longtime mayor of Cranston. He twice ran for governor. I know the first time was fairly close, yes. and there was a third-party candidate, because Rhode Island was a lot like Massachusetts, where they had a moderate Republican governor for a while, and then, I mean, even Lincoln Chafee was really, he ran as an independent, you know, they had a moderate Republican governor with a with a Democratic legislator, um, but uh, he came up short twice, but uh, like, he's, like, like Ted had said, a lot of people like Alan Fung, Cranston's the biggest city in the district, um, and so they really Bob, think it's a, so it's a tight Melfi, race. So Bob Melfi, one of our sales guys here, mm-hmm. knows him, likes him. Yeah. Uh, he and his wife, you know, they have, they have they, I would call them an upperly mobile, comp, you know, uh, uh, family. They're, they're voters, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would always talk with Bob about, you know, what he thought of Cranston and, yeah. and, and, and Fung. Um, but that Trump brand may hurt him. It might. I mean, his. Ad, I like his. Uh, I like his ad. You know, I was watching WPR last night, and uh, I liked his ad. Uh, the construction workers one. I thought yeah. it was pretty decent, yep. and uh, it, it makes him look pretty, pretty relatable. Um, so uh, it, it could be a toss up. Yeah, I mean, Magaziner did just move the district. Not to, not that people care about carpet bagging. They generally don't. Right. Um, I but think the, the ad they're running against him, Mark, is very interesting because it's a class warfare ad. It is it. Right? It's right. I, that's right. what I was I know. I was it's like, a class warfare ad. They say South Magazina is from an elite family and, and he's going to tax your family who make below 70000 a year to fund the things his the, family the, the ultra rich or whatever. Right. I mean, it really is. A, it's it's very interesting that they're they're using they're they're correctly framing him as a person that came from privilege, obviously, yes, yes. and saying like this is an entitlement and that he's going to make people like him rich while he makes people like you puts people like you in the poorhouse. But again, that is a class warfare ad that's typically done by you know Democrats. The the entire Democrat establishment and Republican establishment, if you think of the Chafees. Have always been the wealthy elite of Rhode Island. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, well, Ch- Chafee. White House, Chafee, yeah, um, Claiborne, Pell, and and Chafee was and Chafee was uh, appointed to that to that Senate seat because it was his dad's. Right, his dad, <laughs> his dad. So, and Chafee, his dad had been Secretary of the Navy under Nixon. Yes, and his dad had died. Uh, in 99 and that was the excuse that Lincoln Chafee gave for voting to repeal Glass-Steagall <laughs> he's like oh I had a tough week my dad just died <laughs> so so I wonder um, what it, but again I would think that Fung knows the district really well probably better than than Magaziner or does because he's been the mayor yeah and when you're the mayor of a city like Cranston you know he dealt with a lot he's of mayor the, for a long time too. yes do you remember um, they were worried about the, the Black Lives Matter protests coming from Providence to the, into Cranston? They were really worried about the vandalism. So Fung had his police department on the city line, but they were there in a posture that did not add anything to the tension. It was a, oh, yeah? it was a very successful... They have open arms. <laughs> um, Come. They didn't quite take a knee, but it was... Right, yeah, yeah. But it was, a, it was um, I would say, almost the way Fairhaven handled... Um, the New Bedford protests, um, when they met in the street, things like that. It was a very... That was on uh, uh, Howland Road, Cogswell Street? Yes, yeah. I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was a very... You were on the other side. 
No, I was no, I, I no, no. First of all, you I were was, on the Black Lives Matter side. No, I wasn't at the protest. Oh, oh. I was getting a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, that's not gonna. You're gonna lose your stripes, brother. You can't say that. <laughs> no, because I went to the other one in New. I, I went to the other one in New Bedford. I wasn't on the one that went across the bridge. I went to the one downtown. You went at the one your neighbors could see you at. <laughs> Give me those had, stripes. For it had group. nothing to do with that. So anyway, my point is, is that. Fung has been through a lot down there. I think he's earned a lot of... So what he's trying to do now, as I watched that ad, Marcus, I just thought he's really trying to say, this guy's not relatable. You wonder what the follow-up Which is, is going to be. Which is probably true. I yes. mean, he did just buy a house in the district or rent a house in the district. Most people can't do that. No. And, uh, and is it in... I can't remember which, which city or town it's in. But... Um, the Republicans, here's the thing, Repub- the National Republican Party, like the National Democratic Party, if they don't see a race as uh, winnable, they cut the spigot off, right? They, right. They, they, tighten, they, tight, they tighten it and they say, you're not getting any money. They, I think they did that in Pennsylvania. They, they, cut, they cut off funding for, for uh, Dr. Oz's campaign in Pennsylvania. So Look, we've seen it here in our own district in Massachusetts. The guys get into the race, yeah. they at first look promising, and then... Nope. <laughs> that's why you never, that's why you, that's, yeah, that's why you never assume that, you know, if you're running, that money's going to come in in the general right. because people don't waste their money on not winnable races, which again, because of this, what is it called? The, the leader, national, uh, congressional leadership pack or yes. whatever is running those, that out of magazine. Right. It means they have numbers on them. No, exactly. They, it, it is a big investment. Uh, that's why Ted was excited when we were talking about it, I think, because yeah. it's a big development for Rhode Island politics. Anything in the Northeast that's getting Republican national funding. Because that money could just easily be being spent, as you point out, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in other more competitive, traditionally competitive districts. So and, what and the is Republicans, it? I think they're, I think they, they're, I don't think they're going to win the Senate. Um, I think that's get, becoming increasingly clear by the day. But they, they're, I think, in a good position to win the House. So that should be where they're, they're focusing their money. Hey, let's take a break. 508 996 0500 is hanging in the program. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WB. I'm Chris. 508-996-0500 so you can get in the program. Good evening. Hey, good evening. Guys. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up? Chris, oh, you're back, brother. Thank you. You, you weathered the storm. I, I made I, it so far. Oh, well, yeah, a lot of prayers. <laughs> that's what, that's what did it, man. You know, the doctors yeah. told me there's no medical reason I should be alive. That's because you wow. guys prayed for me. I believe well, yeah, well, no medical reason. No medical reason I should be alive. That's what the doctor said to me. And by the way, I think she was an atheist. She just because I, I can't explain this. It's an incredible. It's a pretty incredible thing. To say. <laughs> yeah, you're not it's supposed laughable. to be here. Yeah, but it's really not laughable. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, of course, uh, they put Biden. Well, not DeSantis. That's what they said. The was the best Martha's Vineyard. Yes. Yeah, well, he put Martha's Vineyard on the map. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's like a wake-up call for everybody. Look at all the rich people out there. The 94% well, of the people voted. No, 70% of the people voted for Biden on the uh, here's the thing keating keating uh Ke- what keating had said was you know the obviously there's as chris described it a bucolic summer environment there right. but during the winter i mean during the off season after labor day uh it's the the islanders there aren't oh, yeah. as uh aren't as affluent to know to, to to understand i dated a girl who lived over there and it was so bad in the winter she would date me 
<laughs> yeah, so I would fly yeah. in from, from here. I think they're I think they're off season median. Like the people who live there, their median income is actually like lower than Dartmouth's. But the, the thing that made the, and I and, and neither um and and I, I hope Ted were to touch on this, but the reason is there's so many national media figures that have a connection to Martha's Vineyard. That's yeah. what drove the story. Yes, right. There's so many national media figures, and also. There are so many national media figures in September that are willing to jump a plane in New York to go to the vineyard. Right. That is what made the story. If that was in, if that was two months from now, they wouldn't have been covering it. Those midnight, I call it the Midnight Express flights that Biden threw them out of, okay, get on a plane at midnight, take three hours, they're in Chicago. Westchester County. Yep. Yeah. Or, or all the other sites. But seriously, you know, I mean, not but, but that was, but that was, those were, those, those were coordinated with the Department of uh, the, the Health and Human Services and all that. That they had sponsors, they they either had sponsors or some sort of, um, or some sort of services available to them there. They weren't, they weren't fraudulently induced. There wasn't anybody saying Biden wasn't offering ten dollars McDonald's gift cards and free no. hotels. No, 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 no. <laughs> but they got a pretty good deal out of it. <clears throat> they, um, they're going to be treated pretty well. They're, 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 they're the most. Um, those fifty illegal, uh, fifty um, soon to be determined asylees. Asi- what, what, yeah, asi- yeah. asylees. Yeah. Um, they have more resources than any other uh, immigrant in this country right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and so true. it turns out it worked out for him. Worked hey, out for Rockers. DeSantis. We'll see. Hey, Rockers, you said uh, asylees. Yeah, they're, they're seeking. Oh, uh, they're seeking asylum. What? I never heard it before. I said, can I use that in Scrabble? <laughs> sure. Yeah, asylum seekers uh, are, you know, people who are seeking asylum are called asylees. Well, you know what? Ken, Ken Pitton brought something up on Saturday that was really interested. One of those, you see, those midnight express flights by Biden said if, he, if one of those crashed, what would the U.S. do? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, plane crashes are, are very, very rare. My, right, my you're safer on a plane than you are in a car. Well, it's, look, that's it's rare, but it, it, but if it did, okay, conspiracy theory, if you want to say that, um, what would they would have? Oh, who are these people flying in the middle of the night, and can they be identified? Yeah, uh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, where's, where's your, you got an identification? How can we tell? How many people, that uh, three other people died that plane, that they could say, okay, yeah, not like me and you at the airport where they check you in, it's okay. Well, they do, I mean, they, 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 they do, right? Because, again, that's coordinated by the Department of Health and Human Services and, and DHS and all of that. So, so I, I do think that they know who these people are. Yeah. Um, I even think DeSantis knew who hey, they were. Hey, listen, we gotta, we got to take a break. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll, this is South Coast Tonight. We'll be back right after the break. Why should you download the... Uh, so... Anyway. Anyway. Um, Show Marcus. We, we've got a... Uh, We've got like ten seconds, so we'll, we'll call us in the other in the nine o'clock hour. Open phone lines. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you then. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. 